This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset listeners, another amazing interview. I just finished up with Mark Owens, who is an incredible investor, who his story just blew me away. This is an interview that you really must listen to. Um, There's so much authenticity and vulnerability, and it really showed me a lot about myself and how I can grow and how we can really just kind of accept where we've come from and so we can move forward and live our best life. So a a little preview of what to expect here. Mark ended up starting out Uh, his real estate investing career at complete rock bottom. Everything in his life was falling apart. He had a 15-year span where life was just not going as well as it could have. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what happened there. But what was so cool was seeing how he turned his whole life around, owns over 100 units, helps other people uh, be inspired to buy real estate in his local community, and has really just completely changed his life around. And what I love about that is this story of a comeback is that no matter where we are at in our lives, we can always progress and we can always move forward. No matter how we feel or how we've made other people feel, we can always grow and become a better person. And I really believe that's what the investor mindset is all about. Um, So there's so much more good stuff, but I'm going to leave it for the episode. And if you guys like it, I really hope you'll go to iTunes or your favorite podcast app and make sure you write a review, write a little something for us, drop five stars. It helps us reach more people and uh, start joining the conversation in the investor mindset community, Facebook group, which you can get to by going to the investormindset.com and joining the group up at the top corner. You'll be able to see a little link to go there and join the Facebook conversation. And as a reminder, November 1st, November 2nd, the Investor Mindset Summit is gonna be going on. We're gonna have 15, over 15, amazing speakers from across the industry. They're gonna be speaking and teaching on some of these topics, these core fundamental topics of mindset. We have some incredible coaches and trainers, both from real estate and from the personal development industry who are gonna be coming together to really put together an amazing training. So make sure you head over to theinvestormindset.com, go click on the summit, join us for that event. It is going to be a blast. And if you're not able to make it to the entire event, make sure you buy and pick up a set of the recordings so that you can enjoy this content on your own time and stay tuned as we're going to be releasing some more ways for you to be able to learn and upgrade your your mindset so that you can really live your best life. You know, mindset is the core of success. If you believe something, it is that much more likely that it's going to be able to happen. And if you don't believe it, self-sabotage is going to be running rampant. Your business is going to fall apart if you don't have the right mindset in place. They are not mutually exclusive. You need to have both the tactics and the foundation of the right thoughts and beliefs. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am excited and delighted. I have Mark Owens in the studio today. How are you doing, Mark? Great, Stephen. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing really well. I am doing really well. I'm excited to jump into some of this story that you have. But for the listeners, you know, a little bit about Mark. He was lost in the rat race, trying to figure it out until a few months after he bought his first rental back in 2002. He realized this whole real estate thing, there's a lot of potential there. It can really change your life. And that's where he realized they didn't have to follow the path of all of his peers. 
And uh, in that moment, real estate had set him free. And since then, he's been an active real estate investor in Baltimore, Maryland area, and owns over 100 rental units. You ready to jump into things, Mark? And bring it on. Man, 100 rental units. So you've, you've, you own 100 rental units. That's crazy to think about. But why don't we start out by taking a look back? Um, what events or influences from your childhood, from growing up in, you know, when you're a little kid, shaped who you are today? Man, that's a big question. Uh, you know, I mean, I grew up in the in the I grew up in the analog age. You know, I, mean, I was born in 1965. There was no internet. There was no texting. There were no cell phones. It, you know, the in where I grew up in Baltimore City, the ideal thing was to like get a job working at a factory, McCormick Spice mm-hmm. or Steve Silver, one of these factory things, or maybe get a job driving a truck, and that's what you did. You know, you got married. You had you know, 1.7 kids or 2.3. And uh, you bought a row house if you were lucky. And, you know, that was it. That's the neighborhood I grew up in, blue collar. You know, nobody talked about going to college. We, you know, we all just thought we would end up, you know, if you really did well, you'd be like a bricklayer or, you know, or a plumber or something. But most of us aspire to working in a factory. Yeah. And so growing up with that kind of an upbringing in an environment where that was kind of the expectation and that was really like winning it big, what was that like, and how did you realize that maybe there was another path? You know, what, what happened was uh, there's, a, there's a big gap in my life that I'll, we can talk about later on if, if, you're, you know, if you're interested in hearing about it. But uh, I started to get my life together, like my financial life and being like a responsible adult, like probably around the age of 30. And uh, I kind of went to a party mm-hmm. when I was 12, and I didn't get home for like 15 years. And uh, that's a whole different story. But right around the time I was 30 is when I started to kind of figure things out. I was making $6 an hour working in a factory. And uh, that was like just a little bit above minimum wage. This was like 1994. And then I got a job doing construction, you know, just framing houses. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I actually had, uh, I had applied to go to college and I was going to go major in biochemistry. And I actually went to school, majored in biochemistry, which is, that's a whole different story in itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, getting into the sciences, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm going to make a bunch of money and I'm going to, you know, live the fantasy life. And then what I found out was that that was kind of like a big lie. You know, we're always told we need math and science people. And then you go major in the math and the sciences and there's very few jobs and they don't pay that well. Mm-hmm. And then I switched to the IT thing, which it, this is like back then, we're going back to like the mid to late 90s when the internet was like first coming into people's homes. And the IT business was taking off. And I switched majors yeah. to uh, to IT. And a friend of mine said, man, like, you got to get out of college. There's people with four-year degrees in computer science. They don't even know how to hook up a printer. Like, you got to get these computer certifications. That's where the money's at. Mm-hmm. And so they had this thing called the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer Certification. I got that. And then I got my A+, and my Net+, and I became a, you know, a certification junkie. And I, and I got a computer job making... My first one was 15 an hour, and within a few years, it, it sounds funny, but I was making $100 an hour, and I was actually teaching computer certification classes. I was making 100 bucks an hour, and that was around the year 19, maybe 2000, 2001. And uh, I was making more money than I ever thought I could make legally. I mean, I just didn't think people made that kind of money. And I was used yeah. to being kind of like poor, and so I just I saved my money. I didn't run out and buy a big house. I didn't run out and buy an expensive car. I just saved my money because mm-hmm. I just thought like this stuff is too good to be true and I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'll get fired because I say something stupid 
and I just kept saving it. And uh, at the time, you know, I'd, I'd got married, and my wife and I had a son, and she had quit her job, and she was staying at home. Then she went back to school, so I was the sole breadwinner for a few years. And I, I don't want to bore everybody with like all those details, but uh, I was working at the time. I was working five days a week, four nights a week, and every other Saturday for a few years. I was, yeah. paid, I was getting paid very well at the time. And at the point where like, you know, my own mother like called me up and said, I'm going to ruin my health. I'm going to ruin my family because I work so much, but I just, I had to, I, there was times in my life where I, you know, I didn't have anything to eat for three days and I didn't want to get back to that. I still had that fear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just kept grinding and, and saving and, and eventually I just, you know, I had to put the money somewhere. I'd saved up, you know, $130,000, something like that. and had to put it somewhere. The stock market's like a casino, you know, and when you look at all the magazines out there, like Money Magazine and Kiplingers and all that, all those things are supported by that industry where the people that run the industry make a bunch of money, but, you know, the rest of us make seven, eight, nine percent best. The average, you know, stock broker can't even beat the standard and poor 500 index, but they're making a ton of yeah. money. And I just did, I didn't want to go that route. To me, the residential rentals seemed like the sweet spot. And that's, I started buying rentals. I bought my first one, which is the hardest. Buying your first rental properties, it can be terrifying. And I was a little nervous about it, but I just thought like, man, like what's the worst thing that can happen if I buy a rental property? What's the worst thing that can happen? And in my mind, the worst thing that can happen is that I, you know, sell the property in two years, I lose five or $10,000 and I just keep living my life. The best thing that could happen is, man, maybe I can like make more money doing this than, than I could make putting it in the stock market or buying a savings bond or whatever. You know, there's yeah. like the potential was unlimited. And if, and if it worked, mm-hmm. I could just keep buying more. And, uh, you know, when I bought my first one, I never had any dreams that I would be where I'm at now. I wasn't even like on my radar anywhere, but it just, uh, it just, it happened. So it's, it's kind of like you're in this place, you're, you're in this place where you realize like, okay, I'm afraid of not having enough anymore. And I'm just going to work my butt off. And you saved up all this money and you you needed to put it somewhere. So real estate seemed like the most straightforward, low risk type option. And so you jumped in that direction and you went with it. And, you know, thank goodness you did because you now you're living a good life. And, you know, obviously you've learned a lot. What would you say to people out there who are maybe in a similar position? They're working, they're maybe they've already done a deal or something or or they're thinking hey I really want to get into this thing but I'm kind of afraid I'm afraid to mess it up what do you say to them I'd be afraid to not do it <laughs> you know it's like the you know it's the do you want to live the poor dad life you know not take any risks and I mean to me the risk is like working for somebody else your whole life hoping that you have enough money to retire you know mm-hmm. at the end of your life I mean that to me is now that I have this mindset I have now like that's the big risk is is putting all your eggs in that basket uh, for me, you know, the thoughts are, it's so much, you know, the rentals provide my income. They provide my retirement. The, the income that I make is taxed at the lowest rate because it's not employment income. So I'm not paying like, mm-hmm. you know, FICO on it and all that stuff. I mean, it's just the, the benefits to it are just far outweigh any risk. If you buy smart, mm-hmm. you have to buy smart. And uh, the way you define that is an individual thing for me, smarter is 
properties that cash flow. I don't, I don't invest for appreciation. If I get it, that's great. But the truth is appreciation isn't going to pay my car payment. It's not going to put food on mm-hmm. the table. That, that's the cherry on top when you sell the property in 10, 15, 30 years. That's the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash flow is, is what's going to set you free. It's going you know, to support your lifestyle. It's what's going to cover your units when you have a vacancy or a turnover. Like the, the positive cash flow is what's going to cover that. If you have a bunch of properties where you're breaking even and somebody moves out, well, where's the money going to come from to pay that mortgage and paint the house and you know all that yep. stuff? So, so cash, flow is, cash flow is the king. Yeah, it's so interesting, mindsetters. I hope you guys caught that. What Mark did there when I asked him about fear, about fear of doing something, what he actually did was just reverse it and flip it. So rather than being afraid of doing it and afraid of screwing it up, you can find reasons within yourself of why it's actually more scary to not do it. Why you're actually going to be leaving more on the table if you don't take the risk and take the jump than you would if, if you did. In my mind, that's the way it worked. Yeah, and we can apply that to a lot of areas in our lives. I'm afraid to go on a diet. Well, I'm, I'm afraid to die of a heart attack when I'm 50 years old too. You know, so it's like, it's, it's, it's a mindset with, with all of the, you know, with all the stuff. The thing that holds the most of us back. It's what's in our heads, man. It's like mm-hmm. people saying, I can't do this, or I'm not good enough, or man, I can't mm-hmm. find the money, or I'm not going to find a good deal. Like That's all bullshit, man. The good deals are out there. The money's out there. The, the thing that prevents most people from doing it is they just don't get up and do it. And, and the example I've been thinking of so much lately is we all want a beach body. We all want one. <laughs> but do you want the work required to get it? And for me... Maybe not. You know, I'd rather spend my energy buying houses and making money. But there are people out there that have the beach bodies, and I'm not. They didn't. It's not luck. They work for what they have, and they have a mindset that that is something that's really important to them. They're going to do whatever it takes to get it, no matter what. If they got to get up an hour earlier, if they got to stay up later, if they got to eat the salad that they don't feel like eating, they're going to do what it takes to get those results. For the rental properties, if you want to build up a rental portfolio that's going to cover your kids' college tuition, that's going to cover your retirement, that's going to cover your vacations, that's going to get you free so that you can fire your boss, it takes work. And it mm-hmm. takes the mindset. You have to say, you know what, man? That life is worth it. I'm willing to do the extra work. The last thing you want to do is quit your job and then go buy rental properties. You want to yeah. gradually work your way in so that your rental properties can replace your work income. Mm-hmm then quit your job. And I've actually divided this into three sections. And, it, and I did this and it wasn't intentionally. I was just thinking about my own path that I followed. And there's like, really, there's three phases to the real estate thing if you want to work your way out of mm-hmm. your job. The first phase is you have to get enough rentals that have positive cash flow so that when one goes vacant, the other ones can cover all of those expenses. Mm. That's the first thing you need to do is reach this stage where you have enough rentals where the business can cover itself. Because if you've got one mm-hmm. rental and the people move out, then who's going to pay the mortgage on that house to paint it, to fix whatever? That's coming out of your pocket. That's mm-hmm. not my idea of a successful investment. You have mm-hmm. 10 houses that are all cash flowing two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a month. Mm-hmm. and a tenant moves out. The other nine houses are going to cover all the expenses for the vacant yeah. house. After you get to that phase, then you go to this next phase, which is where each additional house is going to be a portion of the income from that is going to replace your income from your job. 
It's the mm-hmm. second phase that's going to set you free. The first, the first phase is you're just building a foundation so that the business can support itself. The second phase is where you get enough properties where the business can support you. Mm-hmm. After you've got that covered, then you can go to the third phase, which is where I'm at, where you can buy properties that maybe don't cash flow or you know just have different alternative things where you're not dependent on income. This is kind of like your play money. It's kind of like you know going to the casino. It's like if you the only people that should go to a casino are people that can afford to throw the money away. And uh-huh. so if if I've got enough money now, where all my bills are covered, my vacations are covered, my retirement's covered. And, I, and I'm thinking, I want to buy this house. It's not going to cash flow. And I want to buy it because I'm going to own it free and clear in five years. I do stuff mm-hmm. like that. I have zero cash flow for five years and then I own it free and clear. You don't want to do that in phase one and phase two. That's, that's phase three stuff. Phase one is the hard part. You know, Building the business from scratch, buying your first one, it's the scariest, it's the hardest. You're probably going to start where you don't know any other landlords that are doing it or if the toilet breaks, you don't know who to call. Like We all go through that. We all do. That fear can be conquered by talking to other people that are already doing it. Mm-hmm. You talk, you know, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with, right? Mm-hmm. I, I never heard that until you know maybe ten years ago, and then when I heard it, I was like, God, that makes so much sense. You know, if you hang around with five losers, you're going to probably be a loser. And if you hang out with mm-hmm. five people that go to the gym all the time, then my fat ass might get up and start going to the gym because all my friends are doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's really like that. You start going to meetups, and you go to Rias, and you listen to podcasts, and you read books. And what it does is it gives you the confidence that you're going because you need confidence. There's two things things you need to be successful in this business. You need balls and you need information. If you got balls and no knowledge, then you're going to mm-hmm. go out and buy stupid stuff and you're going to end up going out of business. If you've got the information, but you don't have any balls, you're going to have that analysis paralysis thing. Well, I'm not sure if that's a good deal. You know, would you look at my spreadsheet? It looks like I'm 17 cents off and you're never going to do anything. You have, they have to have both to be successful. You have to have the knowledge and the guts to do it. You really, you really do have to have both. And I feel like that's where people get tripped up. They either, they focus so much of their energy on the tactics, but they don't really believe they can do it. They haven't surrounded themselves with the right people. They haven't put that community together. They're not listening to stuff like, like the investor mindset right here, where they're understanding how people think and how they can model that thinking and apply it in their own life and have the same kind of outcomes that those people are after or that they've already had. Um, they forget about that and then they start and they spend a bunch of money, they lose and then they quit. But if they, if they put both together, then they'd be able to succeed. Man, if if every guy like did that in the dating world, like there wouldn't be any people on the planet. You know, it's like you go ask a girl, you know, hey, you want to go out? And they say no. It's like you're never going to ask another girl out the rest of your life. You're going to just like yeah. stay home and watch TV. Like, of course not. That's like our biology. Like, I'm going to go ask a hundred of them. One of them is going to say yes. It's the same thing with real estate. You buy one house, but they're not all perfect. Some of them are bad, but don't quit on your first one, man. I mean, there's like, there's just so much opportunity out. This is, people come from all over the freaking planet to buy rental properties in the United States. Yeah. They don't, they come here not knowing anybody. I mean, we have investors coming from Israel, Nigeria, freaking Australia, coming to the United States to buy rental properties. Because despite all that you hear, we have really relatively low regulation compared to many other parts of the world when it comes to housing. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of it. And, and our, our population in the country as a net is growing. And they're not making any more real estate. So, man, this is the spot to do I feel it. like people, 
especially people who've grown up here in the States, they, we, it's easy for us to forget how good we have it in a few different ways, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and especially when it comes to uh, investing. Because where else in the world do we have this kind of environment where we can go and create something out of thin air and just go after it? And that's one of the things a lot of like, uh, you know, foreign people who move here, who create a new life here, there's this immigrant edge, as Brian Buffini calls it, where when people come from another country, they've got this drive within them because they see what it's like on the other side. They see what it was like to live without. Yes. And they see what kind of an opportunity they have and they really apply it. And I I really encourage people to try to find that within themselves. Well, like that's why if you can bring yourself down to this place of deep, dark despair of seeing what could be, um, not to live there, but just as a reminder to say, hey, I need to wake up today and I need to wake up excited because I have this opportunity to create great things for my family and myself. Yeah, this is the land of opportunity. I, mean, I don't want to sit here and just wave the flag all day, but I mean, this is sure. it. It's like, this is people from other world come here to build successful lives. And we get the best and brightest from everywhere. You know, Bill Gates said it. I can't quote him exactly, but he said, if, you know, if you're born poor, it's not your fault. But if you die poor, it is. Uh, because mm -hmm. we do have so much opportunity. Now, now, this obviously doesn't necessarily apply to everyone based on their own capacities. You know, it's like, I'm never going to get rich playing basketball. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm not skilled. I don't have the skill. And, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other opportunities available. I just know with real estate, with the method that I followed, the, just the buy and hold for long term where I have cash flowing rentals, it's, it would be very difficult to go wrong if you buy in the right, you know, C neighborhoods, working class neighborhoods. Uh, it's just, you know, it would be really hard to screw that up. It's just, uh, but again, it's the mindset thing. I think the name of your podcast is like, it's perfect because it applies to so much. And it's the one thing that so many people ignore. You know, they're just thinking, mm -hmm. well, I need the money or I need this or I need that. And it's like, man, you, you got to get your head straight first. You know, you got to get the knowledge. And people, you know, I get phone calls from people on a regular basis where they're kind of unsure. I got a phone call from a guy today that uh, he wanted me to come meet with him to talk to him about the whole thing. He owns rental properties in another part of Maryland, but he's, mm -hmm. he doesn't really know Baltimore. And he wants me to like, kind of like ease his mind. And I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm surprised he's not past that. You know, I'm surprised that he has that much reluctance or fear to invest in a market, which is really like a 40 minute drive from his home. And, uh, but it's such a good reminder though, because like, no matter what your experience level, you still have these yeah, moments. Yeah. I know, I know, I know for myself in particular, I definitely have moments where I'm like, I am killing it. I've got this. I am good. And then I have other moments where I think to myself, man, how are we going to keep doing this? What? Man, should, <laughs> do, I, do I have this? And sh sh it, do, am I thinking about this right? And so it's easy to get that self-doubt in your head, no matter where you're at along the route. Um, but it's a good reminder that you're not out of place thinking it, but you're better get your mind right and you better find somebody or something within yourself that you can get yourself back on track so you can keep moving forward and you don't get stuck there. Yeah, one of the one of the valuable things that people can do is like join like a mastermind group mm -hmm. or even create one of their own where they have, you know, a network of their own peers that they meet like, you know, every couple of weeks or once a month just to hold each other accountable. I'm, I'm actually a member of one and uh, we talk, you know, we had a meeting Tuesday night and the first topic that we talk about is our family. Like, how's everybody's family life going? Is there any issues? Because it's mm -hmm. really easy as entrepreneurs to like focus so much on business 
that we neglect our family, we neglect our health, you know, we're eating crap all day and we don't exercise. It's really easy to get caught up in that lifestyle. So our first topic is we talk about family, like how's your family doing? Any issues? Is there anything you need help with? Um, you know, is your wife getting pissed off because you're working 60 hours a week? And, mm-hmm. you know, how can, how can we find some balance? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you bring some balance to that to, so that everything is operating good at home? And then we talk about the health stuff. You know, how's your diet? How's your exercise? Drink enough water? Like, because those are the things that we neglect as entrepreneurs. They're like the first two things we put on the back burner when they should be on the front burner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we talk about business stuff last because we, as business guys, could talk about business all night. Mm-hmm. So we want to make that the last topic. And I get a lot of value out of it. A lot of my friends are members of similar things. And uh, so I think that having a group of other people that understand where you're coming from that can help bring balance and also help you overcome some of your fears. Totally. You know, whether it's, you know, you're thinking about buying your first multifamily, it's five apartments. I've never bought anything that big. I'm a little nervous about it. And you talk to other people that are doing it, that have been there and done that. And that takes a lot of the fear out of it. A lot. So I'd, I would strongly recommend like the networking component to this business. It's I can't underestimate the importance of it or underemphasize the importance of it. I, I'm a big believer in it as well. I think it's really important. Uh, so I'm really curious, Mark, if you if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your story. When you were telling earlier, you were talking about a 15-year gap. And I also heard you mention that you didn't eat for three days and you remember what that was feeling like. And then now we're talking about this drive that you know, immigrants have when they come over. And I feel like I know a little bit about your story and I know you've had that drive. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience a little bit about this time in your life and, and what you learned from that. Yeah, I'll, I'll share that. I wouldn't recommend that anybody do <laughs> follow this path. But uh, like, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, in Baltimore, it was very common for, uh, you know, to start smoking weed when you're like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was, you know, 12, I was smoking cigarettes. I was smoking weed. And when I was 13, I was drinking. And when I was 14, it was like speed. When I was 15, it was, you know, I think quaaludes and diums. And 16, it was acid mushrooms. And 17, it was coke and heroin. And uh, so by the time I was 17, I was doing coke and heroin. Mm. And wow. I got kicked out of high school. And, you know, and that whole lifestyle brings, it can bring out the best and the worst in you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a it's a strange thing, but it's it's because this is the first time I've really talked about this like publicly mm-hmm. in this kind of form. Some of my friends don't even believe I ever smoked weed, like because <laughs> I'm just so straight and narrow now. Like they just can't even believe it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, there were times where you know I was you know I was sleep. I, I grew up in Baltimore, but I got stuck in Southern California. Where I was like literally sleeping in vacant houses in West Hollywood mm. and eating, getting my lunch at a soup kitchen down the street. And I was a couple years later, I was homeless in Jacksonville, Florida. It's the drug lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. just like that happens. And, uh, you know, there's other stuff that happens that's, you know, that's a whole different podcast, but you know, I was, I was getting in a lot of trouble, you know, the, it's drugs, institutions and death. And I, I'd, I'd been through like pretty much all three, uh, several times. And it was actually when I was at my lowest point that I read a book. I was actually locked up. I was in jail. And I found a book. It was called You Can If You Think You Can. Mm. And I'd been, I'd been through some drug rehabs. And uh, I get kicked out of half of the ones that I'd been in. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I tried to escape out of a jail and that I was in and I was locked up for six months and all this fun stuff. And I just got off lockup and I, there was a book on the tier. It was called You Can If You Think You Can. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, you know, I got plenty of time. Might as well read it. And, uh, and the book saved my life. It was the first self-help book I'd ever written. It was read. It was written by a guy named Norman Vincent Peale, who also wrote a, a famous book called The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh-huh. And I guess that was popular maybe in the 70s or 80s. Yeah. But uh, this book changed my life. I mean, it literally it saved my life. And, and the way that it did it, it's, it's so damn freaky. It was the damn mindset. Mm-hmm. Like this book convinced me that I can if I think I can. And I had been like losing like my whole life. You know I mean? Yeah. It's like kicked out of school, you know, fired from jobs, can't keep, you know, maintain a relationship with my family. It was all 100% my fault. You know, every, it was like everything was a disaster where I'm like, you know, living in the streets, eating Christmas dinner in a homeless shelter in Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, like literally like, you know, it was, it was, we get creative in that lifestyle. Um, I mean, yeah, the, but there was, I, the, the thing about this, Mark, is I really appreciate you sharing it because I feel like this happens to a lot of people or people know, you know, folks that have been through this. It's, it's much more common than people like to talk about, but what I think is really inspiring about this is that you went from this place of hitting rock bottom of being sucked into a lifestyle that was not healthy, where your mindset was in the wrong place, where you were thinking Mm -hmm. these thoughts and you're really controlled by those drugs. And you're controlled by the feelings and thoughts that were going on inside your head that were causing you to want to go and do this. But what's so Mm -hmm. inspiring is that through the power of reading this book, through the power of being in a place where you're ready to accept that information, Mm -hmm. you're able to turn your life around and now look at what you're doing. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody would have believed it back then. I mean, nobody would have believed I'm, I would still be alive and breathing if we talked about it when I was in my twenties. Uh, but it, it really was. It was. It was really. It was the mindset. It was just believing in myself that I can mm-hmm. do this. And I mean, of course, it, there's more to it than that. There's more to my story than we don't have enough time to, to talk about all of it. But I guess my point is in sharing this information is that. It really doesn't matter what you've done in the past. What matters is what are you going to do today, and what are you going to do in the future, mm-hmm. and and what tools you know do you have? You know, I've I felt a lot of guilt over my past. I'm actually friends now with the last time I got arrested. I'm actually friends with that cop. We're friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went I went and found him and uh, on Facebook. I found no him on kidding. Facebook, and uh, and you know I sent him a, a message and say, listen, I'm you know you locked me up, and I just want you to know I'm really sorry for all the stuff I did, and you saved my life, and I really appreciate it. And if we've met since then, and we're friends, mm-hmm. so it's you know how do I put this? It doesn't matter where people have come from. It, it doesn't matter how far you've fallen. Uh, it, we can all make a difference. We can all make a positive change in our lives. But it, most of the stuff comes from inside of our head and the way that we're looking at it. And I've got a, a guy that just called me a couple of days ago that I knew from back in those days and uh-huh. he's still, his life's messed up. Mm-hmm. And he calls me every now and then. And the way I look at it is like, you know, our life is like a, a book and we, and each page on one side has like all the negative stuff in our life and the other page has all the positive stuff. Uh-huh. And every day we wake up and we can decide which page we're going to focus on. Uh-huh. I focus on the positive page. You know, is there negative stuff? Yeah. But it's like, I'm not going to let that dominate my thinking. I'm going to think about the positive stuff. I'm alive. I'm breathing. The people that I love are alive. They're healthy. I've got a great business. My son's doing fantastic. 
uh, people in the community respect me. And uh, I focus on that. I could focus on, you know, I'm fat and I'm lazy, you know, but it's like, <laughs> I don't want to focus on that, man. It's like, I, I acknowledge that that's there. I don't exercise as much as I should, but I'm not going to let it ruin my day. Mm-hmm. I, the, having a positive mental outlook is just, it means everything. I mean, within, it's your mindset. Again, it's your mindset. If you go into anything thinking, oh, I'm going to lose, I'm not going to do well, you already lost. Yeah. You know, you have to go in believing it. I'm going to get in there, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a rental that's going to cash flow and I'm going to do it the right way and I'm going to get a support network to help me when things don't go right. Man, you already won. Now you just yeah. got to find the property. It's just having that confidence is what makes all the difference. Well, I really appreciate you getting into that with us, Mark, for sure. I mean, there's just something about being able to be authentic about kind of what happened and where you came from that is such a good reminder to people that we're not all perfect. You know, we've all screwed up along the way. I've screwed up plenty of times. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think back on those things and you feel bad or you feel remorse or you wish that you wouldn't have said that thing or you wouldn't have done that thing. But what is such a good reminder is, is like the metaphor you use that you can look at the positive and you can put yourself in that state where you're going to be able to move forward no matter what. And you're going to find a way to make things happen. And when you're in that state, anything's possible. When you're in that place of I'm going to find a way and I'm going to have a good life and I'm going to make this stuff happen, it does. But if you're kind of wishy-washy, it can't. Well, I, I listen. I still screw up. I mean, I'll just email my <laughs> wife. She'll give you a list. She keeps a list. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I still, uh, I still mess up. But my my mess ups today are like simple. I forgot to take the trash out or something like that. So, I don't know if this even will resonate, but. How does somebody forgive themselves? How do you go through the process of letting go of things that once were things that would hold you down and being able to let go so that you can be free to move forward? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a really, that's a good question because that is something that I struggled with for many years, like the guilt mm-hmm. of uh, just living that lifestyle and, and just hurting so many people, you know, the people that love you and exactly. just being such a disappointment. There are tools that I've used where, I mean, it's funny. Like I just had a a person on Facebook that I had uh, talked to. You know, I've, I've, we're friends on Facebook, but it's somebody I've known since I was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I don't even remember if I ever did anything to like upset her or anything like that, but I just yeah. sent her a message and I said, listen, I just want you to know if I ever did anything, said anything to you that hurt your feelings or that was offensive or anything like that. Like, I just want you to know, like, I'm really sorry. Like I just, that was it. And I don't even know if I ever did anything or not, mm-hmm. but you know, you might've said something at a party one night where, you know, you insulted somebody. I just, I, I apologize for, you know, I've reached out to people from the past that I've heard and just told them like, listen, man, I'm not the same person. That was, I'm really sorry that that, that stuff happened. It's, it, I would never do that. You know, that was somebody under the influence of drugs. Doesn't make it right. But I'm just saying, I'm really sorry that that, that happened and that, that you... So getting making amends with people mm-hmm. is important. Also, you know, it's not as direct, but just being like a good person, you know, being a good contributing member to society. And, if, you know, like just reaching out to help people. Like the net now, the net's on my side where if you wait them both out, like I'm, I've yeah. done far more good than bad, but it took time. It takes yeah. time. You can't just sober up and then the next day, like, okay, I'm guilt free. Like, of course not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, a lot of it is just making amends with people, just, you know, telling people that you're sorry for hurting them. And, uh, and it still doesn't make it right, 
but it's, that's all that we can do. And, and again, it's, and this is for me, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but it's just like living a good life and trying to be a good person and live, you know, the golden rule, you treat people the way that you want to be mm-hmm. treated. And if you can continue to do that for the rest of your life, then it's, that's all you can really do. Yeah. So it sounds like you've given yourself grace for that place that you were in while also looking forward about the kind of person you are, the kind of person that, that you want to be. But you know, it, when it started for me, because when I f- was first like trying to get my shit together and I'm like, I don't even know who I am. I've been like drunk or high for like 15 years. I don't even know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. And then my question was, well, who were you before you started doing drugs? Like, what were you like when you were 11 years old? Yeah. And I thought when I was 11, I was like a good kid, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I was good in school. I never got in trouble. My, you know, I love my parents. They loved me. I had a dog. I was nice to my dog. You know, like everything was like normal. And I thought, well, you're still the same person. Mm-hmm. Like you could take the nicest person in the world and you get them addicted to drugs and they turn into an animal. But then you take the drugs away and they're back to that nice person. And I, so I realized, okay, I'm not a bad guy. I did bad things. But that wasn't me. That was this body under the influence of drugs, which is really like a, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. It's like a whole different person taking controls and doing things that you swore you would never do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and once I accepted the fact, okay, I am not a bad person. I've done bad things, but I am not a bad person. Mm-hmm. I am okay. And then the next thing is, well, now what do I do? Cause like, I don't even know how to talk to girls unless I'm drinking. Yeah. It's like, it was like being born all over again. It's like, you know, you're, 25 years old and you're, and you feel like you're 13 because you don't even know how to have those conversations. You didn't develop me. I didn't develop emotionally the way that maybe you did because when you were 14, 15, 16 and you have problems, you figure out ways to deal with them Yeah. where I couldn't do that because I was drinking and getting high and all that. So you become stunted emotionally and it it just takes time. But that same thing applies to getting started in anything, right? You're going to kind of be at an elementary level and you've just got to embrace that. So when you're, you're making a change in your life, that's where things really have to go. So from, from a habits perspective, what are some of your keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that you think have led to a, a good life? You know, I'm, boy, habits. I, you know what? Some One of the things that I've really, I'm going to talk about business stuff because this is the stuff that I think most of the people that are watching this are interested in. I pay very close attention. Like when I owe somebody money, whether it's the phone company or whatever, I make sure all my stuff is paid on time. A 700 credit score isn't good enough. It's got to be above eight. Like I want, Mm-hmm. When somebody goes to look at my pull my credit because they're thinking about lending me some money, I don't want them to have any questions that they're gonna, you know, that I'm gonna pay them on time every month. So for me, like the financial, my financial life is something that I put effort into every single day. I'm at within a half hour of me being awake, I'm on my bank's website seeing which checks are cleared, which ones haven't, how much money's in the account. I don't ever want there to be any question about that. Other stuff with my relationships with people, which is, you know, probably that's probably the most important thing other than my health is I try to treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. I I try to treat people decent, honest, fair. I take the short end of the stick a lot, meaning that if I'm having a disagreement with somebody and they think they're right and I think I'm right, I just say, you know what? Okay, you can have your way. Like, you're good. Mm -hmm. Even if it means I'm going to lose some money. I would rather lose the money 
than have somebody else think that I screwed them over. Mm-hmm. Even if I know I didn't, it's like I, you know, my reputation and my peace of mind is worth more than the money or the aggravation. So I, I would rather lose the money than ever have anybody question my integrity mm-hmm. uh, or my honesty. But it's not just with the financial stuff; it's with other stuff. Uh, I just I try to treat people decent. You know, I know what it's like to be like you know at the at the bottom of the food chain, living in an abandoned house. You know, in an abandoned house and going down to the church hoping that there's a bag of lunch left to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what that's like and uh, I know how people look at you when you're in that position. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, since I've been in that position, like I don't want to judge people based on where they're at because I don't know the full story. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on in their lives. So that's another thing I try to do. I'm not perfect at it. Sometimes, you know, we can fall into that habit, but I really try to give people the benefit of the doubt because I don't, I don't know their story. That's and uh, so I try not to judge other people. I try to treat people decent, respect. I can sit down at the table with people that are all on Section 8, and I can sit down with a table full of people that are attorneys and accountants, and I treat both tables with the same amount of respect. That's great. I can really appreciate that. I feel that when I'm talking to you, I can feel that caring and respect for other people, and uh, it really comes through. Yeah. So, so, but that's, yeah, but that's as far as like some of the things I do every day, like that's how I live my life. You know, I, I pay I, the financial stuff. I'm very responsible with that. And I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. And those are probably the two, if there are two things that I do every day, those are the two things. I love it. Well, this has been some really good stuff. We've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell us what's a different book, another book that's impacted your life the most, uh, or one you're excited about right now. And what was the name of that book again? Man, there's, well, which one? Well, that one was called You Can If You Think You, you can. can. If You Think You Can. And yeah, that was, I mean, that's not for everybody. It's, uh, you know, it's probably written in like 1980 or something, but it saved my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, it worked for me. Uh, more recently, uh, Rocket Fuel was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket Fuel was an excellent book. Uh, I read that and, uh, and then I started another business shortly after that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be hearing about that. It's, it's an app for wholesalers that's going to be rolled out in the next few months. And uh, I don't want to awesome. tee it up too, too much right now, but everybody on this podcast is going to know what that app is this time next year. And uh, it was that book that helped to bring that into development. It's, mm-hmm. it, I don't want to give too much information about the way, but Rocket Fuel is, is probably one of the most recent books I read that were game changers. Awesome. And from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do you look at going about finding mentors in your life? I hate to say this. I've never had a mentor. I don't believe I you. Figured, it's true. I figured everything out on my own. Yes. And it's probably significantly stunted my growth. Uh, there was a guy named Steve Cook who was still around. And I went to, he had a couple of boot camps like that I went to like maybe 15 years ago. One on wholesaling houses and one on uh, retail rehabs. And I went to those and those were game changers for me. They changed my life. He runs this group now called Life in Air, mm-hmm. uh, which I know I have several friends that are members of it that are really, really happy with it. Uh, so if I ever had anyone in the real estate business that made an impact in my life, I would I would give it give it to him. Steve Cook made a made a difference. That's great. Uh, as far as like any re, you know, he wasn't into the rental properties. I never really had any mentors in that or any of the other areas of real estate. What he did was he opened my eyes up to what was possible because I was just really focused on this one thing, you know, which was buy and hold. And he opened up my eyes to the wholesaling thing and the retail rehab thing. And uh, Absolutely. 
So that was a big deal to me at the time. So I would probably say him if it, if anyone, if nobody else, I would say him. Awesome. So from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day, Mark? Man, it's the same stuff, man. You know what? It's my goals have changed. And I think, how do I put this? And I always tell my friends this, like my, I'm subject to change my mind at any time for any reason, whenever I want. Because what happens is it's very easy for us to say, this is what I want. And then the closer you get to that, maybe you realize it's not what you thought it was and you want something else. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you want something past that. And when I first started, it was just the money thing. Like, I want to make money. I want to quit my job. You know, I want to make a bunch of money. I want to make a bunch of money and quit my job. And then it got to, well, do I just want to make a bunch of money? Or do I want to like have a pretty chill life? And I got to that point where I was like, you know what? More money isn't really going to make me that much happier than I already am. Mm -hmm. It's like, in fact, if I got to work real hard for it, it might make me less happy because now I'm losing the freedom. And what I realized was that the freedom is what what I really wanted. Because when I get the freedom, then that means I can do the things I want to do. If I want to go speak in a jail to addicts and say, look, man, you don't have to spend the rest of your life like this. I have have the time to do it. If I want to go, you know, like I went out to lunch with another guy today, I had time to do that. It's just a freedom to, you know, if I decide I want to go hop on a plane tomorrow and fly down to Florida, well, maybe not Florida due to the, the, the weather right now, but uh, maybe somewhere else, I have the freedom to do it. So the freedom is what motivates me now. And I'm constantly looking for ways where I can increase that. Oh, I can really appreciate that. And this has been such a touching conversation. I've learned so much about you, but I've also been reminded about some of the really important things that I need to be doing in my life and that I need to appreciate. So I really appreciate you for, for sharing this with us. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Yeah, probably the best place is my, I got a website, markowens.com. Uh, there's links on there to I think I got a Facebook group that I run for like the Baltimore Area Investors Network. I got a coaching page that's on there, but I'm kind of shying away from the coaching <laughs> stuff right now. Uh, but it's there's more information on there. Uh, those are probably the main places to find me. I'm, I'm on bigger pockets and stuff like that too. But the the Facebook page or my web page are probably the, the best places to start. Well, this has been super great. We'll make sure we include links in the show notes to all of that. And uh, I look forward to the next time we get to do this again. Hey, thanks, Stephen. Really, I appreciate it. I hope your your audience gets a lot out of it. Really do. I know they will. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 